Coming up, some big trials this week and lots of big news stories. What did you miss? If you stay with us, absolutely nothing, because in less time than it takes to deliver a pizza, we bring you the week's most impactful local issues and headline-grabbing newsmakers. It's all straight ahead on Week in Review. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. Glad to have you with us on our weekly journey through the news of our week, dissecting the Metro's biggest headlines from Channel 9, Chief Political Analyst Michael Mahoney, from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling, and from our own newsroom, Mary Sanchez. You know, we don't talk a huge amount about crime stories on this program, but there were some big local stories getting national attention uh, this week. Morning, Mr. Reed. Anything to say before court this morning? Uh, no, thank you. Former Chiefs assistant coach Britt Reed back in the news. Reed, the son of Chiefs head coach Andy Reed, appeared in a Jackson County courtroom this week to change his plea to guilty in that 2021 crash that left a five-year-old brain damaged. Police said Reed was intoxicated in speeding when he hit two parked cars on an entrance ramp near Arrowhead Stadium. But the victim's family have expressed outrage after it's revealed Reed could face as little as 120 days in jail and five years probation. We're told justice is blind, so would a plumber in Raytown be potentially getting the same deal, Mary Sanchez? Um, well, a plumber in Raytown wouldn't have been immediately connected to an NFL team who then settled with the family, um, and I forget the amount, to help, thankfully, for the young girl's medical care. It's just all from the very beginning of it. Um, I mean, Dave knows this. The Kansas City Star made a very good point right on of why was he not taken into custody. Which is what the girl's, jailed, yes, the girl's you know, mother said that this week, that absolutely. if the shoe was on the other foot, if the roles had been reversed, would she have been in jail as a result of that? Yeah, probably so. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, justice is uh, a little more equal for some than for others. And in addition to Mary's point, point there, uh, the Raytown plumber probably wouldn't have had the financial ability to retain a lawyer like J.R. Hobbs, who's exactly. one of the best defense attorneys in this region, uh, and does not uh, work uh, uh, cheaply. And he was able to do what a good defense attorney does, and it's represent his client and get the best deal possible to him. That, uh, that's his job. Mr. Raytown Plumber probably wouldn't have got J.R. Hobbs sitting around with him on the table. At the and and, and uh, Britt Reed changes his plea this week. He'd been pleaded not guilty. Now it's guilty after an accident that took place in 2021. Why that change now, Dave Helling? And is that about protecting the Chiefs? Was he uh, pushed into that because they don't want to go through all of the details of that in court? Not based on any reporting I've seen, although you can... Imagine that the negotiations for all of this were rel relatively high-level and lengthy and difficult. Uh, what this uh, plea does show, Nick, I think, is, and it, it serves as a reminder of the immense power of the prosecutor in our system. Prosecutors cut deals like this all the time. They may be more lenient or less lenient, but they are deals over which the public has very little say, other than on Election Day when the prosecutor is on the ballot. And so there's always outrage when you see stories like this. There are. I did a story a couple of weeks ago about a fatality hit and run in Cass County that was never prosecuted criminally, even though the person who hit the victim drove away from the scene of the accident. That complete prosecutorial discretion 
Uh, people don't really appreciate most of the time how important the prosecutor is in making these decisions and exempting lots of people from the glare of justice. You know, should anyone be above the law? What about police officers? In another local news story grabbing the national headlines, a former Kansas City, Kansas police detective accused of corruption and raping vulnerable black women has been arrested by the FBI after years of complaints against him. Roger Golubsky was picked up by federal agents on six counts of sexual abuse, assault, and kidnapping. Golubsky, quote, exploited and terrorized black KCK residents for decades. Golubsky's work was questioned back in 2016 in the overturning of the double murder conviction of Lamont McIntyre. McIntyre spent 23 years in prison. His lawyers proved KCK PD officers manipulated witnesses and prepared police reports with fabricated information. McIntyre's mother claims she rejected Golubsky's sexual advances, and she claims he framed her son as retaliation. Now, some of the uh, counts against Detective Golubsky date back to the 1990s. And remember, he retired from the KCK Police Department more than a decade ago. So why all these charges now, Mary? The arc of justice is long, I guess you could say. Um, there is still hope for justice for, uh, you know, people who often feel like they're discounted in the justice system. I mean, this sends a very, very clear message that these women were heard and that they were believed, and frankly, that the, the federal government just said Black Lives Matter. Everyone is uh, innocent until proven guilty, and FBI agents pick up people all the time, and no charges, and nothing ever happens, Dave. Right, and we should presume uh, innocence here as well, as you would on any criminal suspect. Having said that, the reporting has been pretty thorough and convincing that... Uh, that there have been victims who have come forward and accused Roger Golubsky of these uh, charges. The interesting thing to me, Nick, is whether or not he will seek a plea agreement. If he goes to trial, then we'll learn a little bit about the evidence against him and perhaps hear the testimony of some of these alleged victims. But if he cuts a plea deal, typically in those agreements, there is a requirement that the defendant cooperate with prosecutors on other cases. And this cannot stop with Roger Golubsky. I mean, his, his behavior is now before the bar. But there are people in Kansas City, Kansas, and certainly one would believe in the police department who knew about this behavior, alleged behavior, and yet never came forward. And he escaped uh, justice for decades, as you point out. Boy, we really need to know what that was all about. And if he pleads guilty and testifies, we may get a clue as to what, what happened. That's what's actually more important for the long term going forward, is that if you really want to look at police reform, and that is essentially what this case is, outside of the, the alleged victims, um, you really have to look at a whole system. How did this occur? Good people exist within bad, toxic systems. How were they silenced? What happened for decades? How were people promoted? How was this hushed up? That's how you get to a better place. So, as Dave has just outlined, that's exactly where I would hope that this possibly could go for the sake of the community and for some resolve and, and some sure relief. And to make sure it doesn't happen again. Absolutely. After what seems like years of campaigning, the candidates for Kansas governor finally faced off on the same stage for the first time this week. The first and so far only debate between Governor Laura Kelly and Attorney General Derek Schmidt took place before a raucous crowd at the Kansas State Fair. First, my opponent locked our kids out of school. Then she tried to lock her parents out of school by vetoing the Parents' Bill of Rights. The damage done by this governor to our kids exceeds the damage done by any previous governor in the history of this state. 
Derek, I will never apologize for protecting the lives of our children. The fact of the matter is, after Governor Kelly's lockdowns, there are fewer people working in this state today than there were the day she took office. I don't think an ineffective leader brings in the largest ever capital investment, $4 billion, 4,000 jobs, with Panasonic coming to DeSoto. Yeah. I've got to ask you, Derek, do you really think we were better off under Sam Brownback than we are now? All righty, certainly raucous there. What did we learn from this debate that we didn't already know about these two candidates, Michael Mahoney? That Laura Kelly is a little more feisty than a lot of people thought. Yeah. Uh, and, and she I mean, certainly is a lot more feisty than she was four years ago. Without question. And that last clip that we just uh, saw, it's 58 seconds long, and it summarizes the Laura Cam uh, Kelly campaign to a T, making, her, uh, make, uh, making the claims that she wants to make, that she has been effective, and then, t and then uh, bringing the Sam Brownback uh, plank in uh, against her Republican opponent, Derek Schmidt, which the Democrats have been doing for uh, a couple of weeks right now. This was a very good debate. Uh, there was lots of uh, give and take. It was probably the best performance I've seen from Laura Kelly in that situation as governor. And props to the Kansas State Fair for having this 19th century, no yeah. holes barred, <laughs> jeerum, cheerum yeah, sort of that's event. That's true. But, de but it, does it really change anyone's mind? Do, do people care about debates today? The debates do not change many voters' minds. There are study after study that show that. Now, had either side made a big mistake, you know, the whole yep. point is if someone stumbles or talks about things he or she doesn't know about or, or, or misstates a fact, then yeah, they, they can move votes that way. But I didn't see any of this in that debate, which, by the way, is a tradition at the state fair in these years. We've seen Senate candidates and other gubernatorial candidates go at it like this. <laughs> what I'm fascinated by, Nick, uh, is the idea that in this race, which the election's about, what, seven weeks away, 50 days, a little bit more, we still haven't really, in my view, focused on what the central issue between the two candidates is. Laura Kelly is running around the state saying, well, Sam Brownback was an idiot, Derek Schmidt is just like him, which may or may not be a successful theme. He's on transgender athletes, and she didn't do the food tax fast enough. But we, didn't, we haven't seen, at least in my view, a central, is it education, is it abortion, is it transportation, is it economic development, is it even, to some degree, COVID? And I would expect that to change over the next couple of weeks. If it doesn't, I think Laura Kelly remains the favorite. And it will change because we are actually doing the next and last debate between them. Can uh, Mahoney and with I the come in Association and yell at her on October fifth, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> seven p.m. on Kansas City PBS. Uh, Mary, while we can question how much difference debates make today, it's fair to say they're becoming an endangered species across uh, the country. There are far fewer of them, and that includes in Missouri, where U.S. Senate hopefuls Eric Schmidt and Trudy Bush-Valentine have yet to agree to share the same stage, even once before Election Day. But does that really matter? Well, apparently the candidates don't think that it does. Um, there's some concern. The word on Trudy, even on Bush-Valentine, even amongst her supporters has always been is that she doesn't present well in person. And I think they're very fearful of putting her out there. The other thing is, he's, he's ahead. This is Missouri. We're talking about very red state Missouri here. So there's some question of how well she'll do, what is it worth. Personally, though, I think they should go out there. It just sends a message. You're right, it doesn't probably change those hardcore voters' views, 
but I have always gained so much by just being there in the room and actually hearing someone and that jibber jab back and forth, you do gain a perspective and it says something to the people. But none of the main Republican candidates debated at all during the primary in that race. Eric Greitens no. never shared the same stage with Eric Schmidt, no, for no, instance. No, no, no. There, there was a whole little debate two-step that they all participated in. I tend to agree with Mary on this. I do think there, is, there remains value in these debates, but at the same time, Dave is mentioning a very important point. The organizers, consultants of campaigns are so leery of their candidates making even the smallest uh, misstep in this or having the, the coverage after an event uh, play against them that they are actively resisting debates unless they're just their feet are just drugged to the podium you know, on this and it's a bad bad uh, trend for democracy. I remember Steve Watkins the former congressman now from Topeka who I was doing a debate there said to me Nick I can't win this debate I can only lose it so I'm going to be very cautious in what I say and he was very open about that mm -hmm. even before we did the debate that I moderated. Will we see President Biden or former President Trump before election day? But I'm here because I believe in Josh Hawley, and come on up, Josh. During the last midterm election in 2018, President Trump came to Missouri five times for Josh Hawley's Senate campaign. In fact, he was here twice in one week. Trump also came to Kansas just before Election Day to headline a rally for Chris Kobach and his campaign for governor. So why aren't we seeing any of these high-profile visits this year? I've been checking the records, and President Biden has not stepped foot in Kansas or Missouri once in 2022. Can we expect him to stop by, Dave? I doubt it. I mean, I don't think the candidates, the Democratic candidates, who, of course, would invite him here, are that anxious to have him in the district. His popularity has grown over the last several weeks, but it's still underwater, even more unfavorable than favorable. And that's particularly true in places like the 3rd District for Sharice Davids or even Laura Kelly statewide uh, in Kansas. Sometimes uh, heavy hitters in a party will come in to help raise money. But I don't get the sense that raising money is a particular concern for the candidates who would benefit from an appearance, so I don't think it's likely. Would you think come. that uh, Amanda Radkins in that Kansas 3rd District race would want Donald Trump to come in and help her against Sharice Davids, oh. or would she want to distance herself at this point? I ask her, but I mean, I think that she would probably want to distance herself. Her tone and tenor of her campaign and who she seems to be innately is very much not Trump. Not likely that uh, former President Trump would come into the 3rd District since he lost it. Not likely that President Biden would come into the 3rd District even though he, uh, he, he won it. Missouri and Kansas are no, uh, Missouri certainly, no longer a swing state. Kansas hasn't been one since the 19th century. I don't see him coming. You know, it's been almost five years now since Sam Brownback left office, so how come his face appears in just as many political ads around here as Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and even some of the candidates themselves? Twins. You know him when you see him. And in Kansas, these twins are identical. Sam Brownback and Derek Schmidt. When Sam Brownback cut millions from our schools, Derek Schmidt supported it. Serving Sam Brownback has been good for Amanda Adkins. In return, she spent her career helping him. Now, I can see why Republican candidates want to use grainy, unflattering images of Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, and Democrats want to tie their opponents to images of Donald Trump. But is it trying to tie the candidates to a long out of governor, out of office governor, really that persuasive, Dave? I'm not sure. I mean, I think uh, to some degree people have forgotten about Sam Brownback. The, the shelf life of former politicians isn't that long, and there may be voters, particularly in the third district, 
who have only vague memories of, uh, of Brownback. Having said that, he, his, he remains anathema in Kansas for the so-called experiment, yeah. and particularly in places like Johnson County where schools are so important, Nick, and the feeling, rightly or wrongly, that he, his tax cuts led to major problems in the schools still lingers. I've said this for some time, and I, I think my colleagues know this, the, her, her, Laura Kelly's biggest arguing point to me, campaign point, is the chaos has ended. We're not closing schools. We're not having to borrow money from this month to get to the next month. We don't have to have emergency sessions of the legislature that last until June. And so I think that's what the use of Brownback is all about. We saw a lot of people come to the polls for the very first time this August because of the abortion vote. How many of these younger voters would even know who Sam Brownback is? They might not. Um, and if they were coming only just for that reason, then that it would be, you know, somewhat of a moot point. Um, but it is fascinating. There's probably some study to be done. Perhaps it's already been done on how long a candidate after or a politician after they leave office still resonates. Because look at the mileage of Ronald Reagan. I mean, exactly. he is still exactly. mentioned. So if you can either attach someone, you know, some message to someone. The fact that these voters don't know him, that a younger voter might be only thinking about, you know, choice and abortion, that, that could, it could be worked. No, the issue of abortion is topping the headlines again this week. That after Republican Senator Lindsey Graham introduces a federal bill banning abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. I've chosen to, to craft legislation that I think is eminently reasonable in the eyes of the world and I hope the American people at 15 weeks, pretty much strong majority of Americans believe abortion should be the exception, not the rule. Now, he's getting some support, including from Florida Senator Marco Rubio. But, Michael Mahoney, is he getting support from any of our four senators here in Kansas and Missouri? Yeah, well, in, in theory, he should at the same time. The, the senior senator here, for, uh, Roy Blunt from, uh, from Missouri, says this is an issue best left to the states, which is almost the identical li language that Mitch McConnell is using. I find Senator Graham's uh, move with this proposal just astonishing uh, in light of what is the dynamics of this midterm and uh, the fact that the Kansas effect uh, triggered a, uh, a pivot moment in this midterm campaign as far as the Democrats are concerned that this issue will will keep the issue of abortion uh, front and center in many Democratic campaigns from now until uh, until the midterms and it might be it might be just a giant rock meaning a mistake by Lindsey Graham. Just quickly, a story we ran today. Roger Marshall, the senator from Kansas, did endorse the Graham bill, said he would support it. I don't think he's a co-sponsor yet. There are two that I'm aware of, Steve Daniels from Montana. I think that's his name, and then, uh, and then Marco Rubio, at least when I checked yesterday. Jerry Moran said, no, this is an issue for the states. We shouldn't be doing this at the federal level. Um, I, I'm interested in the idea that abortion, for all the attention it got in August in Kansas, has not really been a big issue in the governor's race, right? You would think that uh, Laura Kelly would talk more about it. She's done a little uh, discussion of the abortion issue. And, of course, Derek Schmidt was the one in court, in the Supreme Court, uh, defending the uh, regulations imposed by the Republican legislature, and yet it really hasn't come up as an organizing force yet in Kansas. That could change before election. Yeah, I bet it does. Yeah, yeah. I bet it Mary. does. We'll see. Um, it very much likely could, because everything is still moving on the ground. If you actually really speak with people who work in that arena, they are just waiting to see what happens after the midterms. Who comes into the legislature in Kansas, and how far are they going to try and push? How angry are they? 
basically at the electorate for that 60-40 split um, in base supporting the right. There, there was an interesting story in the uh, Missouri, yeah. uh, in the Kansas Reflector uh, newspaper, uh, online newspaper, saying that actually half of the seats in the Kansas legislature are already decided in the House because uh, nobody was running against those folks. Yeah. So for all of the uh, anger that people seem to have, uh, a lot of those folks are already going to be uncontested come yeah, November. Redistricting had a lot to do with that. Just briefly, I want to talk about the Graham proposal. Uh, and, and I had a little misunderstanding about this. The 15-week threshold is a minimum. It yeah. would be a federal minimum. If you live in a state like Missouri when, in which the threshold is below that, that would remain intact. It doesn't rise to yeah. 15 uh, weeks uh, in states where it's lower than that. So there's a lot of complaining from blue states or states with more liberal abortion laws that the Graham proposal is really aimed at that and not uh, so much at a national standard. You probably do need to say, though, that it, it's not going to pass. So which, which raises the issue again, why did he do it? Right. Why did he throw that stick of dynamite out there? We know schools are facing an historic shortage of teachers, but local law enforcement agencies are ringing their own alarm bells. This week, the Johnson County Sheriff says his office is experiencing an emergency-level staffing shortage, down 60 officers, with another 20 deputies about to head out the door. But how much sympathy will Sheriff Calvin Hayden get now that he's running crossways with Johnson County leaders, upset by his ongoing investigations into election fraud. How many of you voted in the, last, in the 2020 election? Put your hands down. Now, how many of you think your vote counted? Yeah, see, this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. Last week, Hayden also pledged to deploy his deputies to block what he called Biden's new army of IRS agents. What is he afraid these IRS agents are going to do to Johnson County residents, Dave? No idea. Uh, it, you know, it's part of his speech to a very conservative audience, and he's made similar statements in other venues uh, to the irritation, I must say, of some members of the Johnson County Commission. I've talked to them, and they're frustrated, as are other sort of moderate leaders in Johnson County who, who think that the sheriff is way out on a limb, particularly on election issues. Uh, that that I think even Republicans, moderate Republicans in Johnson County and Kansas, Scott Schwab, the, the, the Secretary of State, has said, look, we had a fair free election in 2020 and no real dispute over the results. But he uh, was elected by the voters. He is. Calvin Hayden, no question about it, although there is pressure for him to moderate his uh, views from some people behind the scenes. I was told that this week. Uh, he's in a bit of a feud with Ed Eilert, who is the outgoing Johnson County chair. They, that was evident today I watched a little bit of, or Thursday I was I watched a little bit of it so that, that this story is still being written over in Johnson right. County it's, it's concerning to have a sheriff trying to insert themselves into elections and people on all sides of the aisle see that and they're worried about that the other thing is it's a little bit of a false flag some of the conversation about lacking the sheriffs the new deputies coming in I don't doubt that he's needs new people but that's a national issue, and it's being driven by right. so many things, right. so many Particularly factors. Particularly law enforcement, Baby right, Mary? Law enforcement everywhere is struggling to get Everywhere at every things. level. Yeah. Federal, you know, federal authorities, state authorities, local municipalities, sheriff's offices. It's just tied to so many issues. And, you know, he is also raising the issue that he should be pressed on, is, okay, if you're given new officers, how will you train them? You know, what is your office going to stand for? People are looking for something different from policing, and sheriff's departments don't get a lot of attention as much as municipal, but they're a part of that. 
Now, when you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? 11 years ago this weekend was the gala opening of the Kaufman Center for the Performing Arts, and guess who was helping to welcome guests on opening night? From all that I see and hear from Julia Irene Kaufman, the performing arts are thriving in Kansas City. King Charles may have mispronounced their name in his video greeting, but the new monarch has been longtime friends with the Kaufman family. Missouri lawmakers back in Jefferson City, the governor is trying to persuade them to back the largest income tax cut in Missouri history. Pot staying on the ballot, the Missouri Supreme Court rejecting a legal challenge that would have blocked voters from deciding the issue this November. No railroad worker strike after all, but fearing disruption, Amtrak cancelling all train service out of Kansas City. A new health data is out and Missourians just saw their life expectancy drop to a 40-year low. COVID and a record number of opioid overdose deaths are blamed. Friction in Johnson County over pronouns and bathrooms for transgender students in the Edgerton Gardner School District. It's not hateful to want privacy in the bathroom. This is a violation of civil liberties, and it is the textbook definition of discrimination. And does this mark the official start of spooky season? Kansas City's haunted houses back open this weekend. An Overland Park actor, Jason Sudeikis, seeing gold. The former Shawnee Mission West grad winning Best Comedy Actor at the Emmy Awards in L.A. All righty, Michael Mahoney, did you pick one of those amazing stories or something completely different? I picked two. Number one, we didn't miss the special session in Missouri because nothing happened last okay. week. All right. Okay, all right, that's good to okay. know. And we'll be talking about that in weeks ahead. The other one I picked was the fact that uh, marijuana legalization will be on the ballot in uh, November in Missouri, and if the polls are, are right on this, and it looks like it's leading with two-thirds of the vote, uh, it'll pass. Mary, what did you pick? You know, I picked what it was there, but almost because um, because it didn't happen. The rail strike. Yeah. Um, it. I just want people to really understand how important rail is and transportation. And this, it's so tied to our local economy, to our local history. Everything is involved. Almost every single issue that you deal with. So. And if you were complaining about price hikes now, absolutely. if there was a strike like that, it would have a huge increase. And Dave, we should just, I, yeah. just say quickly. Rail workers work hard. That is yes. a hard job. That's not sitting in chairs like Dave Ellen does um, every day. Well, speak for <laughs> yourself, Dave. But, but, uh, I think there's but, a lot to this. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thanks to Dave Helling of the Kansas City Star, Mary Sanchez from the Kansas City PBS Digital Newsroom Flatland, and Channel 9's Michael Mahoney and I'm Nick Haynes. From all of us here at Kansas City PBS, be well, keep calm, and carry on.